Welcome to Rehab for Runners, the podcast for runners who are ready to get out of pain and run with more confidence. Dr. Lisa will guide you with the clarity you need to unleash your potential with tools, practical tips, and exercises so you can enjoy your runs and exceed your goals. day I still remember being in physical therapy 16 17 years later so I was young and I had a knee injury and I remember going through all these different movements like you do in physical therapy and at that age I was in the curiosity phase where I was just asking why am I doing this what is this exercise for not that I would remember the answer I think I was just more in that curiosity phase as a child But still to this day, I remember my physical therapist telling me as I was going through a hamstring exercise that for every quad strengthening exercise I was doing, I needed to back that up with two hamstring exercises. And I think that really still sticks with me, especially as a runner, because of the importance that the posterior chain has in your running form. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about the difference between a quad dominant runner and a glute dominant runner. So let's break down what that looks like. I think the whole idea behind a quad dominant runner and a glute dominant runner has to do with what muscle you're using more when you push off the ground. So if you're a quad dominant runner, you're more likely to pull your leg through with your quad and your hip flexor versus if you're a glute dominant runner, you're more likely to push off the ground with your glutes and your hamstrings and even your soleus. So now you're using more of your posterior chain and then you transition as your leg swings through to using your quads and your hip flexors. So if you're a quad dominant runner, you're not using your posterior chain as much as you should. This can lead to overstriding. It also can lead to hip flexor pain or hip impingement because you're using your hip flexor and your quad more than you should. That's a compensation versus pushing off the ground with that posterior chain and then transitioning into using your hip flexor and your quad. Because at the end of the day, you want to use all of those muscles as you push off the ground and swing your leg through. And as your foot hits the ground, you don't want to just use one side as in your quads and your hip flexors or just your posterior chain. It's a combination of all of those muscles that work together to swing your leg through, push off the ground, and make sure you have that efficient running form. That's what's going to lead you to less injuries, a more powerful push-off, and also just a more efficient running form. And that's what we want. And I think one thing is it's easier said than done. It's easier to say activate your glutes or push off with your soleus. It's all about developing those movement patterns outside of running first with your strength training and your mobility. And then as you get stronger, as you get more stable and more mobile, then you're able to transition into working on it in your running form. So the first step is always prioritizing what you're doing outside of running, making sure you can actually activate your glutes appropriately. I find with a lot of my one-on-one clients, the first thing we work on with a lot of hip injuries, knee injuries, ankle injuries, is just getting those glutes to fire appropriately. Now, you've probably heard the term lazy glutes. I know I have, but 
that's not really a thing. Your glutes are still firing. They're just not firing correctly because your movement patterns that you're doing with your squat or your deadlift don't actually allow your body to learn how to use your glutes correctly. So let's talk through that. So outside of running, if I see a runner who is not using their glutes appropriately, that usually looks like in their running form that they're not getting into that full hip extension. And hip extension just means when your leg is behind you. So you're about to push off the ground. Your leg's about to swing through. It's right before your foot leaves the ground. That's when your hip is usually into hip extension, or at least it should be. But with quad dominant runners, that's the biggest difference is they're not getting into that full hip extension. And it's almost like when you try to increase your cadence, you always hear about increasing cadence. Say you try to increase your cadence and all of a sudden you have these short choppy steps and they're just really quick, really fast. You're not necessarily increasing your speed, but now you have these short choppy steps. You can't get into that full hip extension if you have short choppy steps and that's almost what it looks like with a runner who is more quad dominant compared to glute dominant. So in order to activate your glutes appropriately, you have to be going through hip extension in order for those glutes to activate like they should and to be able to push off the ground with your glutes, with your hamstring, with your soleus. So that's the big difference is it all comes down to what is your hip doing when it's behind you? Are you taking those short choppy strides, really focusing on pulling your leg through and now you're using your quad and your hip flexor more or are you able to push off the ground and are you able to get into that full hip extension from the hip joint and ideally you need 15 to 20 degrees which actually is a pretty decent amount and are you able to activate that posterior chain so that's the biggest difference is what does your stride length actually look like if you're taking short choppy steps, you're just focusing on pulling your leg through and that knee drive, that's just activating your hip flexor over and over again. And a lot of the times when that happens, a runner will come to me and say that they have hip pain. And if that's the case, you don't necessarily want to work on strengthening your hips. You don't necessarily need to because now your hip flexor is being overworked. It's strong enough. It's just working overtime in a way and it needs to calm down and other muscles need to be doing their job and their role appropriately so that hip flexor can calm down or so that quad can calm down. Another thing that happens when you're a quad dominant runner is because you're taking those short choppy steps, you're not swinging your leg back and forth like you should. You don't have that beautiful leg swing like you should. A lot of the times this leads to an overstride and an overstride just means that your leg is hitting the ground further out in front of you than it should. That usually comes down to your leg swing being off. So if you're overstriding, I'm sure you've heard of this or maybe you're even aware that you're overstriding. I feel like a lot of the time runners will almost know when they're overstriding, but it's hard to fix. And I agree, it is very challenging to fix, especially if you go from an overstride to then taking those short choppy steps and that's not really helping either. But a lot of the time, if a runner is overstriding, that's going to put more force through your entire lower body. So that's something we want to prevent from happening. And like I said before, 
it really comes down to what are you doing outside of running? We have to address your hip mobility and your hip movement patterns first. So with a lot of my runners, what I'll do is obviously work on that hip mobility and then also just making sure that we can master the hip hinge. So a hip hinge is basically like a deadlift. You want to make sure you're mastering it. You want to make sure your butt is getting back. You can stick your hips back. The glutes can take some force. They can hold some force. They can start to stabilize as your low back one of my favorite exercises to teach a hip hinge is when you have a dowel rod or even a broomstick and you have it behind your back. So there's three points of contact. It's at your head, it's at your mid back, and it's at your butt or more like your low back region. And all you're going to do with this dowel rod is perform a deadlift. It's going to be body weight because your arms are going to be behind you on the stick, keeping it at those three points of contact. And I think this exercise is really important because it teaches your hips to get back. It teaches you to keep your low back from overarching or from having a lot of movement and really loading up your glutes. Sticking your hips back, working on that hip hinge is one of the first things that you should be doing if you want to use your glutes more when you're running. Once this exercise becomes easier, that's when you can start to focus on it in single leg and even ditching the dowel rod and now adding a weight or practicing it with body weight without the dowel rod as that feedback. And I think that's why this exercise is so effective because you have feedback from the dowel rod. You have feedback from the dowel rod so you can make sure you're doing this exercise correctly because feedback is really important, but to know exactly when the stick comes off your low back or your mid back is really important. So having that feedback will really make sure that you're doing this exercise correctly and then you can start to master that hip hinge. And ideally as a runner, you want to be a balanced runner. You don't want to have so much strength in your quads and not a lot of strength in your hamstrings or glutes. You want it to be pretty balanced out. There's actually no research saying for every quad exercise, you have to do two hamstring exercises. I think the whole point of my physical therapist back then saying that was that most runners usually work their quads. Think about common exercises in the gym. You have squats, you have lunges, you have planks, you have wall sits, you have deadlifts, which is great. Deadlifts are always great. But look at the amount of quad work you're doing to the amount of posterior chain or hamstring and glute work that you're doing. So I think the whole idea behind it is that runners need to make sure that you're working your quads, but you're also backing that up and you're working your glutes and your hamstrings so that hamstring to quad dominance and that glute to quad dominance is pretty balanced out. The research actually talks a lot about hamstring to quad ratio, which just means how strong is your hamstring in relationship to your quad. Most runners have more quad strength compared to hamstring strength. But this one study actually backed up that if you have a stronger hamstring to quad ratio, which means your hamstrings are stronger than your quads, you will have a lower metabolic cost for running. 
Therefore, it concludes that you need to be implementing hamstring exercises to improve your hamstring to quad ratio. I always find that interesting because your quads are very important, but sometimes we forget about our hamstrings. We forget about our glutes. We think deadlifts is just a coverall, but... The reality is a deadlift is a great exercise for hamstring and glutes, but it shouldn't be your only exercise that you're doing. You want to contract those muscles in an eccentric contraction, a concentric contraction, being able to control it in single leg and double leg, changing the resistance and changing the different planes that you're now strengthening in. I feel like when you add in more glute and more hamstring exercises, you might notice that maybe you're more sore after a workout, which is okay because maybe those muscles are a little bit weaker. But at the end of the day, that's going to help improve your running economy, improve your push-off. You're going to be able to run faster with less effort, which is like a double win right there, if you ask me. So... It's important to work on your hip hinge. It's important to work on your hamstring and your glute strength in all different types of contractions and also not forgetting about your quads. So I'm definitely not saying don't work your quads. I'm just saying maybe pay more attention to the exercises you're doing for your posterior chain. Are you making sure that you're working on your hip hinge? Are you making sure you're working on different glute and hamstring exercises throughout the week? Because that's going to be really important. So in terms of increasing your hip mobility, because remember, you can only have so much strength and so much stability depending on how much mobility you actually have. So how much motion does your hip joint actually have? So if you feel like you're a quad dominant runner because maybe you notice that you overstride or maybe you feel like your hip flexor is in more pain or it just feels a little bit more discomfort during your runs, especially if you've increased your mileage, then I recommend going through these couple tips here. So the first thing, like I said, you want to work on your hip mobility making sure you can get your hip back into hip extension, working on the hip joint itself, just going through some hip mobility moves just to make sure everything is good there, just to make sure you have that appropriate range of motion. The next thing is working on your hip hinge. So with the dowel rod, that's a great exercise that you can go through for 10, 20 reps, making sure that you're working on those movement patterns and you can load your glutes appropriately while keeping your back in more of a neutral position. The next tip I have is to look at the exercises that you're doing in your strength routine. The next tip I have for you is to just look at the exercises in your strength routine. So you can just take an overview look and just star or point out any exercises that are working more your glutes and your hamstrings. And I just want you to compare the amount that you're working your glutes and hamstrings to your quads. It's just a general comparison. It can be pretty eye-opening, but this might make you rethink the exercises that you're doing inside your workout. I hope this episode was helpful and really cleared up what the difference between a quad dominant and a glute dominant runner really is. If you're not sure which one you are, that's okay. I still recommend you go through those tips. I feel like making sure you have the hip mobility and a hip hinge, it's not going to hurt you by any means. If anything, you'll think, okay, that was pretty easy. I feel like I have proper hip mobility or I feel like my hip hinge is actually pretty good. You're not going to have any harm doing those things. But I do recommend 
If you're really not sure where to start, I do recommend you go through the Foundations program. This is something that we work on inside the Foundations program, really mastering the foundations of mobility and stability so you can be a strong runner and you can perform to your max potential because that is what you are here for. Even if you're a recreational runner, you want to run to your max really focusing on mobility and stability so you can be the best runner that you can be because I know running is important in your life and you want to keep running for years to come. So make sure that you really prioritize the things that you're doing outside of running and that will play a huge role into how you perform and how you run. All right, that is it for today. I hope you learned something, got some information out of it. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love if you gave me a rating or left me a review down below. I will talk to you next time. Bye.